Peace, grace, this is Pastor Colton Lott from First Christian Church, Disciples of Christ, El Reno. We have the privilege of building Christian community in El Reno for the world. And so if you care about building Christian community or El Reno or the world, we're glad you're listening to this podcast. If you want to help contribute to the gospel work of this congregation, please visit our website, fcclreno.org, and go to the Give Online tab. And now, here's the sermon for the week. Today's scripture comes from the Gospel of Mark, chapter 4, verses 26 to 29. I invite you to find that scripture in your worship guide, in your Bible, or on your phone. He also said that the kingdom of God is as if someone would scatter seed on the ground and would sleep and rise night and day, and the seed would sprout and grow. He does not know how. The earth produces of itself, first the stalk, then the head, then the full grain in the head. But when the grain is ripe at once, he goes in with the sickle because the harvest has come. May God add blessings to the readings of these words in every time and in every place. Would you pray with me? As we encounter these scriptures once more, God, inspire us, illumine us, that we might see you in them, through them, with them, and in our lives. Amen. It was a prayer request just like any other, albeit a happy one. Pastor Vicki told us during Joys and Concerns, Lindsay will be having her baby on Tuesday morning. It's a boy. His name will be Joseph. Well, I think her name was Lindsay anyway. I'm not totally sure. She was one of those church people who were kind of on the periphery, and I was like 14. But I know that some woman had a son on Tuesday, and so we'll call her Lindsay. But what's more clear about this moment was what was going on in our pew. Martha leaned over and whispered to Effie, There's no surprises anymore. Now, Effie is our dear family friend who brought me along to FCC Ada, and we'd been pew mates for about 10 years at that point, so I know you don't ask a question during worship unless you really wanted to get a scowl. And so I waited until later the ride home to ask, what did Martha mean? There are no surprises anymore. Well, there aren't, Effie said. She knows when her baby is going to be born and his sex and what she's going to name him. We just have to wait on most of that stuff. Now, to my post-war, post-modern, born-in-a-hospital brain, I forgot that in this church made of mostly of people who were born at home, that this miracle of life was something that used to come with a few more surprises. 
Now, the farmer in Jesus' story seems a little green. Sorry for the pun. It's like he missed his day in elementary school where you put a pinto bean in a, in a brown paper towel uh, and he never spent an afternoon with a parent planting bulbs in the ground or with an elder sticking seeds into rows to make food. You know, for a farmer, he seems a little new to how this whole operation is supposed to work. The phrase in the center of this parable is, he does not know how. How curious for a farmer not to know how. Agriculture is nothing new. Humans have been mixing dirt, water, and sunlight with some seeds with great effect over the last 11,000 years, long before Jesus made up this story. What more is there to know, Mr. Farmer? Like last week, Jesus is spinning an agricultural tale. There's a farmer who sows seeds, and he waits. He goes on about his life, morning and night, sleeping awake, day in, day out. And the seed does its thing. Without any special knowledge or any special skill of the farmer, the seed grows. It grows because the soil produces of itself one day at a time. It knits together until there is a stalk and then a head and finally grain. The farmer doesn't need to know how it works to know that he should at least take a sickle to it when it's ready for harvest. Despite being such a short passage, though, this parable is not neat and tidy. This parable is a little unclear on who is playing which parts. Is the farmer God? Is the farmer us? What about the seeds and the soil? Somehow this all winds up to being about the kingdom of God, Jesus says. But how? For example, here's where some confusion lies. The farmer is the one who sows the seed, right? Now, that sometimes sounds like something we do and sometimes like something God does. We talked about this quite a bit last week. And then the farmer does not seem to know how the seeds grow. Well, that seems more like a human trait to our mind. Farmers and humans may not know how seeds grow, but God surely does. But at the end of the story, it's the farmer who will then take his sickle to the harvest reaping. And this sense of judgment, of fulfillment, of capturing good fruit, well, that's something we tend to ascribe to God. This is what can happen when we only think that parables can be interpreted as allegories, where everything means something else, where every bit of the story is a character in the life we have. That's not always the best way for us to think about parables. Instead, today, we have to consider how God and humanity are interwoven in the story about the coming of God's kingdom or God's reign or God's way of life made real. That work is of the farmer 
that work of sowing seeds, that's sometimes God's work. And it's sometimes ours, too. Cultivating the soil is sometimes God's work. But it's often ours, too. We meet God in this story somewhere in the watching and the waiting, watching and waiting for seeds to become plants, watching and waiting for a new life to come to me and to you and to all. Perhaps on this Sunday we might go so far as to say that this small parable is making a big point. That God and humans in this story can't be teased apart so easily because the kingdom of God is co-created by the divine and human collaborators, by God and by us, acting together, each doing our part. We come today to the second Sunday in our Lenten worship series, Parched Growth During Burnout. After all of last year, we arrive in the season of preparation wondering how we can take ashes and dust And with new waters and new life, maybe we can breathe new life. Breathe it into ourselves and our families and our communities. And maybe even find new growth. But it seems to me that we're in the same boat that Martha found herself it's easy to believe that there are no surprises left. Or at least surprises that we want anything to do with. Thanks to the scientific revolutions of the last decades, centuries, we know how babies are made. We know that a zygote develops into a fetus. We know how plants grow from cells dividing one after the other, exponentially using up the energy in that seed to jumpstart the new plant, putting down roots and capillary action. There is nothing new under the sun, maybe. I've been using this term burnout a lot in the last couple of weeks. Maybe you've noticed. Many of us kind of intuitively knows what this means. And the notion of burnout is having a moment in our collective mind and our conversations between each other. For several of us, most of us younger. But if you don't know, burnout is mostly associated with work. According to the Mayo Clinic, job burnout is, quote, a state of physical or emotional exhaustion that also involves a sense of reduced accomplishment and a loss of personal identity. Now, because of the ways in which our economy, frankly, has changed in the last 50 years dramatically, many of us have been experiencing burnout long before 2020, and we didn't know it or didn't have a name for it. That decline of good blue-collar jobs, 
which were supposed to be replaced by quality white-collar jobs, which seldom came to rural America. That general rise of part-time employment, scrambling to throw enough side hustles together to make a whole hustle. After the Great Recession, then we had the gig economy come up like little weeds around us, where thousands of workers have suddenly become contractors with little protections and no benefits. And those of us who do have good jobs are wondering how long they're going to last. That contributes to burnout, overwork, without mentioning the collection of the, the nice little bits of where everyone could suddenly, or not everyone, but many of us could suddenly work at home because of the ease of media that never turn off, phones that are never quiet, being able to work anywhere in the world because you can always be bothered, always be connected, always be tethered, always on, never resting. But it's not just burnout in our jobs that's left us feeling so burned. I especially have a sympathy for those who raise children even though I do not. Because of the marketification of youth sports and extracurriculars has become all-consuming. Making sure that our children are well-rounded and competitive for opportunities and scholarships, it's not only financially costly, but it's a real time investment. Scholars have calculated that mothers who work outside the home today spend just as much time tending their children as stay-at-home mothers did in the 1970s. Now, this doesn't get, again, touching some of the real soul-searching that our families have to do over to where to send their children to school, by which I mean elementary school. Even in little El Reno, do we send our kid to Maple or to Sacred Heart, to El Reno or Riverside, Darlington or Banner? Scary, because in our hearts is the question, might it matter? And good luck paying for college. According to Camillo Maldonado in Forbes magazine, the cost of college has increased much faster than wages. Looking at the data, he grimly calculated that the cost of college between 1989 and 2016 increased eight times faster than wages did. Now, add a pandemic on top, and you might have a name for all of those cynical and critical feelings you've been bottling up, that name for why you have to drag yourself out of bed, a name for why you are irritable and impatient, a name for why you have found it hard to concentrate and maybe have tried to medicate, self-medicate with food or booze or social media, a name for why you have these unexplained headaches and stomach aches and just don't feel good. Burnout. These are all signs of burnout. One of the most insidious parts of it all is that burnout causes us to shut ourselves off from wonder and mystery, curiosity, kind of curious 
But the first thing Jesus says that the farmer does after sowing is to sleep and rise. How do we grow? How do we reawaken to wonder, to mystery, and to the minor miracles that happen around us every day? How do we find surprises? Now, clearly, Martha was joking about there being no surprises left. She's a very smart, funny, and wise woman. But we're not joking. Burnout causes many of us to believe the lie that there are no surprises left. Or if there are surprises, they're not the ones we want to be a part of. They're the ones that will derail us and cost us. I mean, after all, even in that story, for Lindsay and her baby that Tuesday morning, sure, there were several surprises. The blessing that a mother delivered a son safely, which is notable because the maternal death rate in the United States is the highest in industrialized countries, according to the CDC. You might not know that. Or that we're one of only two countries in the world to report an increase in maternal death since the year 2000. And of course, there are significant racial disparities that are part of this high maternal death rate. A welcome surprise. And no matter how much you know ahead of time, I suspect it's always a surprise to finally meet a baby after all those months of waiting. Maybe there are more than we have given ourselves credit for, even still. In today's scripture, we are reminded that the kingdom of God will flourish on its own timeline, with or without us. The soil produces of itself. And this news gives us both a permission and a warning. You see, the Christian tradition has a tension within it, and we're not going to solve it today, and it's one that we live between. On one side, does God cause the kingdom of God to arise in our midst? Or do we? In many ways, we look at this parable and we say, definitely God. This is, a soil, uh, this is a story about God causing the kingdom. God could be that soil which produces itself. God sometimes even looks like the sower who throws out the seeds and collects them. We just watch and wonder. On this side of the parable, there is a great deal of permission for us. You, I, we, we're not God. So we don't have to try and act like we are either. We can't bring about the kingdom all on our own any more than we can bring perfection to our lives. And so this gives us permission to resist the voices of temptation, which the economy and social forces and that little voice inside of us all want to fuel. That temptation that we always have to be in control, always be working, always be ambitious and striving and always minimizing any surprise that just might derail our lives. Instead, when we remember that we are not God, we have permission to try and live life a little more open 
a little more freer from the tyranny of always having to try and climb that ladder. We can sleep and arise. We can go about our days and we can be filled with wonder at seeds that become stalks and then stalks that produce grain and grain that becomes flour and flour that becomes bread and bread that becomes food. What a miracle it all is to be alive, to be something when there could have been nothing. How parched we have been at the relief of cool water. We can't make the plants grow. There is a limit to our power after all. But this parable doesn't just say that. Remember, we can't so easily tease out where God is and where we are. We're both here in this parable about the reign of God. The warning is that the farmer does have to work to make soil where the seeds can sprout. The soil has to be tended and cared for. We know that from experience. If you have a little vegetable garden in your backyard and you never put fertilizer on it, the first year will be pretty good, and the second year will still be pretty good. But by the time you get into year 10, you will not have much at all. Soil without structures and nutrients is just dirt. Just The farmer must be quite active to make sure that the soil can produce of itself the grain. And so we must be quite active to make sure that our soil, our society, can produce of itself the grain, the fruit of the kingdom of God. Equality and equity, goodness and fairness, wholeness of life for all. An economy that doesn't burn out its workers, which has protections for them and fair wages an educational system that doesn't make little children compete. Enough good, affordable child care that parents who want to work can, and employers who want their and employers who expect their employees to be full human beings with whole lives. That's a soil that produces of itself the grains which we know as the reign of God, which allows for God's deep shalom, God's wholeness of life for all all this parable has tension because it requires something of us but not everything it requires us to do our part and to not forget that it's not all our work either we are partners with god co-creating, living together, waiting together. We can't make the seeds grow, but we help give the seeds of God's reign a home in which to flourish. So there is work to do, but there is also rest, which we must have and enjoy. But most of all, today's parable reminds us to be filled with wonder. To gaze on the mystery of God, the God who has called us in to partnership, to co-creation. And what a wonderful, wonderful job that we have. To observe as we witness what was once ashes and dirt with a little time and a little effort become soil. And that soil produces of itself 
and then there is abundance for all, even if we don't know how. Amen. This sermon podcast is a ministry of First Christian Church, El Reno, Oklahoma. It is preached about 85% of the time by Senior Minister Colton Lott, about 10% of the time by Associate Minister Tara Dew, and about 5% of the time from a beloved guest. If you check the math and we're wrong, don't worry about it. This podcast is produced by Communications Coordinator Rachel Carlson, and the instrumentalization you hear is by Chris Prather, our Bell Choir Director, percussionist, and composer in residence. Christian community is made up by the individuals who show up each week. And so while this has been preached and produced by some, it is the work of many. So whether you show up with your body or with your enthusiasm, with your dollars, with your prayers, or your love, thank you for making the body of Christ real and felt and known. Go and be a blessing this day and always, friends. Amen.